Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right. Man, that movie was so much fun. The movie Inside Out is really a great family movie, and it's all about emotions. It's about how we think, and it's also about the reasons behind why we do the things that we do, our behaviors, and the way that we act. It's really a fantastic story because it's actually based on psychology. I didn't realize this until you watch the movie and from the classes that I've taken and counseling and things like that. You can actually see that there is psychological background to this, and it gives a great illustration of what kind of goes on behind the scenes in our minds and, and, and inside of our personalities. And one of the things that I love about the movie is that it gives this visualization, this picture of the great things about emotion and how they are wonderful and how we experience them and how they allow us to enjoy life, but also at the same time how our emotions can go haywire and can actually cause us uh, to fall into some pretty deep trouble in a world of pain and struggle. Um, Emotions are something that I think we celebrate in our nation. In fact, maybe not so long ago, there was kind of this idea that, that uh, the John Wayne kind of mentality, you know, the stoic sort of man individual who, wears, who doesn't wear his, his emotions on his sleeve. Instead of he handles his problems kind of internally, he solves it with a, with a pistol. Um, or maybe in the business world, you know, you don't see a lot of emotion. But I feel like actually the more and more you look around our nation, you actually see emotion being, uh, being lauded and, and being respected. So some of the ways that I feel like we see it, that we, we enjoy seeing that we love seeing people be honest. For example, here in Pittsburgh, when Antonio Brown scores a touchdown and he dances in the end zone, the entire stadium, for the most part, is cheering and they love it. They love seeing an outburst of emotion. Now, some people are like, I wish they would just walk back to the, to the playing field. But the point is that when we're happy, we love seeing people rejoice, like at the end of a, of a gold medal race, right? We love that. We feel that emotion of the joy there. In the same way, not that we enjoy it, but we respect the emotion of when we see someone crying, right? When we see someone crying after a loss of a loved one, we look at that emotion and we see that and we, we applaud them for allowing their emotions to come out and to, to be felt that way and to be honest with it. In the same way, we also feel the same when we see, when we see an individual expressing outrage over an injustice. When we see people on TV or in the news and someone stands up with an outrage and they say, this is wrong and this needs to change, we respect that because we understand why they feel the way that they do. There's an emotion there. Emotions are just outward signs of what's happening on the inside of us, and it helps us to connect with each other. I think this is important for us to understand, kind of lays the foundation for the rest of this message, is that emotions allow us to connect with other people. This, I think it's part of the reason why we love movies and music so much is because they inspire emotion. When someone tells a story and it's done emotionally, we connect with that. Even though I might not be in the circumstance that they're in, I may not have felt the joyous situation, the celebration, or the tragedy that they were involved in, because I am a human being who understands the emotions of joy or sadness or those types of things, when I see another individual going through it, I can identify with that. And this is emotion, and this is how we connect. But it's not an accident. This is no accident that we are able to feel emotion or respond to it. In fact, I would say that we were actually created by God and designed by God to be emotional beings. I believe that with all my my heart, that, that we were created by him for a purpose, and that emotions are not an accident. Now, some of us in this room are already going, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with this because because I'm not a naturally emotional individual. Perhaps you grew up in a 
in a, in a home where maybe, you know, your, your parents taught you to kind of keep your emotions internal rather than on your sleeve, and that's okay. And some of us are more outwardly emotional than others. I'm not saying you have to become a crybaby or that you have to become loud and obnoxious like me. What I am saying, though, is that the emotions that you have within you are there on purpose, and they actually have a purpose. Um, and I actually believe that Scripture teaches that it's actually one of the primary ways that God reveals his nature to us as human beings. We learn about who God is by the emotions that are exhibited in us. Why? Why is that? Well, because first of all, the Bible tells us that every human being is created in the image of God. What does that mean? What that means is that God's fingerprint, his DNA, who he is, aspects of who God is, is wired innately into each one of us. And so when we connect with others emotionally, they have an opportunity to be able to see an aspect of God's nature because it's coming through us. So what's the best way to see how God can reveal himself to other people? That's what we want, right? We want people to know Jesus. We want people to be able to to have a relationship with him, to find the hope and life that we have. I believe that one of the best ways is to use our natural emotions to connect us to God and to the people around us. Open your Bibles real quickly with me to Mark chapter 12. We're going to read a quick scripture here. Mark chapter 12, verse 31. And uh, before we get to the verse on the screen, there's actually, uh, before this, a man comes up to Jesus and says, he's trying to trap him. He's trying to trap Jesus, and he's, he knows that the Jewish law has just hundreds and hundreds of sort of rules and regulations. And he comes up to Jesus, and he says, hey, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? thinking that if he picks one, he would be able to argue with him. And Jesus says, well, okay, the greatest thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. We've heard this passage before. What he's basically saying is the first thing that any human being should ever do is to give God priority number one, right? To make him the center of your life, the center of your focus, the center of your attention. And then he continues right here in verse 31. He says, the second greatest commandment is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And what we see here is that right away, God cares about everyone. He doesn't care just about me. He doesn't care just about you. In fact, the greatest commandment is that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. We should love other people. God cares deeply about every single person on this planet, whether they are in our backyard, whether they're in another nation, whether they're a criminal in prison, whether they're a terrorist in another country. God cares about everyone, and he tells us that we have a responsibility to show who he is to those people. He cares so much for us that he created within us the ability to connect with each other through emotions. And we were given instructions on how to do it. Let's look at another passage of scripture that dives a little bit deeper. Because you're like, that might be a little stretched, Jared. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 15. I love this. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Because I think we're seeing it. You know, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your strength, all your, all your soul, with everything you are, and then love your neighbor as yourself, okay? All right, God, I got it. You know, it's not just lip service here. He says, don't just pretend really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. 
And when God's people are in need, be ready to help them, always eager to practice hospitality. You can see a lot of practical stuff, right? We could take this passage of Scripture right here and just try to live it as a manual. He goes on in verse 14. It says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. And then be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. That's emotion. People who are happy are joyful. They're filled with something. And he says, be there with them in that. Be happy. Experience it with them. And then he says, weep with those who weep. He's not just saying, look at them and go, hmm, that's sad. It's like, actually experience it with them. Allow the emotion that they're feeling to be a connection point, and God begins to work through that. Do you notice all of the verbs and all the action words in that passage of Scripture? There's so much action to it. We are actually told to do things. In this passage, it is an instruction on intentional relationships with people and primarily in connecting with other people through God-given emotions. And if you're taking notes today, this is the big idea. This is kind of the crux, the core of this message is this. Write this down if you're taking notes. This is emotions are God's design for relational connection. We see all throughout Scripture that it's about people. It's about people knowing people, having relationship with people, living life in community. We were not meant to live our lives alone. Specifically as Christians, we are called a family of God, the children of God. We are a part of a greater picture, the kingdom. We are all in it together. But oftentimes we live our lives isolated and alone. And what he's saying here is that if the whole point of Scripture is to teach people how to give back to God through Jesus Christ and to become part of the family of God, that's about relationships. And the primary way that relationships are exhibited, the connection is through the emotions that we feel when we live life together. Emotions are God's design for relational connection. You see, I believe that God wants to show the world who he is. And one of the primary ways that he reveals his nature is through us and the emotions that we have been designed to exhibit. Now, in the movie Inside Out, each of the characters represents an important aspect of Riley, the young girl's personality. There's joy, there's sadness, there's fear, there's disgust, and there's anger. And psychologists have studied each of these, these, these spaces, these emotions, and realized that they are important to social development. And I believe that they are true in the same importance in our spiritual development. And what I want to do is I'd like to make three observations today about the emotions that we see in this movie and apply them and how Scripture teaches us they're important. So the first one we're going to look at is joy. We're going to look at joy and see how that can affect us and how it can connect us with other people. Let's take a look at our first clip. amazing. 
So what we see here in joy is that joy gives us energy. It gives us, it forms strong foundations that we can take with us. Joy is good. Everybody likes joy, right? Everyone likes feeling good about things. And there are situations in our lives that are wonderful, that are beautiful. There are times where probably every one of us could look back into our lives and think of a moment, just like, just like this moment on the screen, where there was some memory that all you, every time you think about it, it always inspires this wonderful joy with inside of you. And what does that do? It gives you fuel, right? It gives you power to be able to move on. When things are hard, joy is something deep inside that gives you the ability to move, to move forward. Joy and happiness go hand in hand, but they are not the same thing. Because happiness is temporary. It's situational based. But joy is the ability to feel something that you know is true and that was good even beyond the circumstances. Joy is a deep resonating emotion that can carry us through difficult times and charge us for what's ahead. Now, in verse 15 of Romans 12, it said, be happy with those who are happy. In the NIV translation, the New International Translation, a different translation of the Bible, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice. What does that mean? It's not just, it's not just this is probably the easiest one, right? Because rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. In this case, it's probably pretty easy. When we see someone who's happy, Usually, we can be happy with them. It's pretty easy, but not always. There are times where we see people who are going through something that we desperately want for ourselves, and it's not easy to rejoice with them in those moments, right? But, but, this, but Scripture teaches and calls us to live life with people in the space that they are in. And so when we come to a person, whether we are in the same situation or not, when they are joyful for some reason, we are called to rejoice with them, to allow that experience to resonate inside of us as well. And what happens? When we do that, when we share in the happiness and the joy of others, it creates bonds between us and it connects us and it reaches deep within us. Joy has the ability to fill in the cracks of the foundations and give us strength to move forward. And when we share in the joy with other people, they see that they're not alone. And we actually get to expand it. We get to multiply that joy. When you share in that relationship with them, you get to expand the joy and multiply it out so other people can see it. And it has the ability to heal wounds. In fact, in Nehemiah chapter 8, Nehemiah said that the joy of the Lord is my strength. There is something about joy. We are called not just to be happy people, but to actually exhibit joy. Whether or not we are uh, in, a, in a happy mood or whether we're facing the most difficult trials of our life, the joy of the Lord is the strength that allows us to rise through those circumstances. And when we share that joy with other people, it gives us a connection and reveals the nature of who God is, that he is not based on their circumstances. That God is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. That he is always there for us. That's fantastic. So what I would say is that joy is the strengthening emotion. It's an emotion that's based on strength that gives us strength to move forward. But what about sadness? What about sadness? Let's take a look at how sadness can be used in the hands of God. My rocket! Wait, Granny and I were still using that rocket. It, 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 it still has some soft power left. Who is your friend who likes to play? No! No, 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 you can't take my rocket to the top. Riley and I are going to the moon. Riley can't be done with me. 
We just need to get back to headquarters. Which way to the train station? I had a whole trip planned for us. Hey, who's ticklish, huh? Here comes the tickle monster. Hey, Bing Bong, look at this. Oh, here's a fun game. You point to the train station and we all go there. Won't that be fun? Come on, let's go to the train station. I'm sorry they took your rocket. They took something that you loved. It's gone forever. Sadness. Don't make him feel worse. Sorry. It's all I had left of Riley. I bet you and Riley had great adventures. Oh, they were wonderful. Once we flew back in time, we had breakfast twice that day. Sadness. Sounds amazing. I bet Riley liked it. Oh, she did. We were best friends. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Verse 15 says we are to weep with those who weep. It's easy for us to think about joy, right? We, it's easy to, to be happy with people. But right after it says to rejoice with those to rejoice, it calls us to actually get down with people, to sit with them in their sadness and their tragedy and to weep with them. Nobody likes to be sad, right? But there are plenty of times in life where we feel it, where we experience a situation that causes us to, to feel like we've lost something. And while joy gives us the strength even in sadness, we are instructed to weep with those who are weeping. Why? Because sadness needs to run its course, and it needs to be able to move forward. But without support, it can be dangerous and destructive. When people wallow in sadness, they move into depression. And I know that there are all sorts of levels to that. There are clinical sides of that. But this is what happens in general is when a person goes through something alone and they don't have a support, in their sadness, it can become isolating. It can become divisive. It can become destructive. And oftentimes, our plan to help people when someone is struggling, just like Joy here, was we want to be silly, right? We want to help them snap out of it. We want to, we want to be funny. We want to make jokes. And, and that's okay sometimes because all of our personalities have a way of connecting with people differently. But if I could just suggest to you that maybe when Jesus is speaking through the words of Paul here in, Acts, in, in Romans chapter 12, and it says, weep with those who weep, it's because there is something that needs to happen, is that when we sit next to someone, when we experience the process of, of, of sadness with people, we allow that to come into us and we support them, that what happens is, is that we actually help them walk through that difficult time, that they are not going to be alone, that they'll instead be with someone. And when we listen, when we empathize, when we take time to weep with them, we actually share the burden with them, and it cuts it in half. It helps them have less of a load. They know that they're not alone. And in that movie, his name was Bing Bong. And this guy was the happiest person in the movie, but in a moment he lost everything. And even though when he sat down, his sadness did not completely go away, when, when sadness sat with him, the character sadness sat with him, she identified. She allowed that sadness to connect in emotionally in that space, and he didn't get completely over it in that moment, but he found strength to move on. And I believe this is what Scripture is teaching us. It's the saying is that we should not just look at people in our own eyes, because that's what Joy wanted. Joy, all she thought about was, was the train is leaving. 
oh, your sadness is kind of getting in the way of my plan or my goal for the day. But God's plan is not about the train that's leaving. God's plan is for us to exist in the same time and space as people where they are at so that he can show them that he is present in their circumstances. And he uses sadness when people are in tragedy and they're, in, they're, in, they're feeling hopeless. When we come alongside of them and we sit with them and we identify with them, we don't try to fix it. When we allow that emotion to bleed into ourselves and we, we say, tell me about it. And we listen and we empathize. They find the nature of God is with them. The spirit of God that we talked about last week that lives inside of us. That spirit then gives a chance to exhibit the nature of God, that God cares. He's not just a happy God, but he's also there in tragedy. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. God loves us so much that he identifies with us. He sent Jesus to walk this earth so that he would experience life. And he gave his life for us. And then he sent the spirit of God to be inside of us so that when we have a chance, like I said a moment ago, we have the chance to connect with people That identifying, that God who has existed and has seen and has lived life has the ability to connect with other people. Joy is the strengthening emotion, but sadness is the supporting emotion. They're both critical. They're both important. They're both needed. God created all of these emotions for us to be able to connect with other people and reveal his nature to people so that they know he's relevant, that he is relational, relatable. But what about anger. What about disgust? You know, most of the time we think that those are bad qualities, and we're going to finish up our message here today with this. Did you know that God can even use disgust and anger? Let's take a look at what that might look like. Oh, I wish Joy was here. What would you do if you're so smart? I tell you, but you're too dumb to understand. What? Of course your tiny brain is confused. Guess I'll just have to dumb it down to your level. Sorry I don't speak moron as well as you, but let me try. All right, what the heck are we talking about here? Okay. We're talking about recognition and we're talking about drive. Disgust was the green character and anger was the red one. And we're seeing recognition and drive. The emotion of disgust is really all about seeing a problem. It's seeing about an injustice. It's seeing something that is wrong and being disgusted by it. That's in the context that we're talking about today. And you're being so moved that a righteous anger wells up inside of you and drives you to want to do something about the problem. Yes, God can use the emotions of disgust and anger for his purposes. What the heck are you talking about, Jared? Did you know that Jesus exhibited this exact thing? Let's look at John chapter 2 as we kind of wrap up our message today. John chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. It says, It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. And he also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Let's pause there for a second. There was a system of sacrifices that were required to be made. People would have to travel to the temple and they would sacrifice an animal to, for atonement of their sins. This is before Jesus made the final sacrifice for us, okay? This is the foundation of the Old Testament scriptures. 
And what was happening is that there were many poor people who couldn't afford it, so they would go and they would buy them. And that's okay, except that what happened was is that it slowly, year after year, crept into the temple. Imagine walking into church and seeing all sorts of stores set up. Imagine walking here where we have a, a stock market set up where we're exchanging foreign monies and, and all of these types of things. And Jesus is disgusted by what he sees. And what does he do? Jesus made a whip, oh boy, from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle. He scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and he turned over their tables. This does not sound like the Jesus who is, we've seen pictures sitting on the hill with sheep surrounding him and little babies and little angels floating around his head. This is a Jesus who is outraged by seeing the house of God turned into a business place. And he wells up with righteous anger, and he does something about it. And he says, then going over to the people who sold the doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures about him. and said, passion for God's house will consume me. You see, disgust and anger, when they are out of control, turn into destructive devices. They turn into division amongst relationships. We have all seen the pain that comes from, from anger in our relationships, in our society. We see riots. We see violence in our streets. We understand that disgust and anger can be horrible things. But Jesus was disgusted by how the temple was turned into something it was never meant to be. And his righteous anger welled up and he did something about it. How many of you are disgusted by things that you see around the world today? How many of you are disgusted by the things you see happening in our own nation, injustices and wrongs that are happening within our own city, in your own neighborhood? How many of you feel outrage and disgust? It's okay to feel that way if it's, if it's directed at the right thing. And the Bible shows us that Christians are to be people of action to be people of action. He actually tells us to look at the situation and the plight of people. So many times in Scripture, it shows us in the Old Testament particularly that God was outraged over the plight of the poor or evil things that were taking place. The Bible is so clear that God was disgusted at the sin of people. And for us, we are called to be people of action to allow that disgust to transform us. And we are not to be violent people. I am in no way Am I, am I calling upon violence? But what I'm saying here is that we are to be people who respond to injustice and allow God's anger towards that injustice to, to, to allow disgust to grow within us and to spur us into action for change. We cannot be Christians and be representatives of God who hates evil if we will stand by and watch evil propagate in our streets. We must be people who allow the Spirit of God to allow that injustice to rise up within us and when we see it, to do something about it in the righteous anger that is within us. If you see racism, if you see sexism, if you see poverty, if you see slavery, you should be disgusted by it. And when you are disgusted, you should be moved to action by the Spirit of God. Put your resources into play. Put your time and your energy into play. This is important. This is what God is calling us to. So joy is the strengthening emotion. Sadness is the supporting emotion. But disgust and anger are mobilizing emotions. You see how God uses every one of these to reach people. Our big idea today is that emotions are God's design 
for relational connections. And why is that important? It's because each person that you meet will respond differently to one of those emotions. Some people cannot see who God is unless you respond in a joyous way. They need to see that God is good, that God is loving. And when you share the joy of the Lord with them, they are able to see something that they didn't see before because they're angry at God. They, all they think of God is he's a judge. But when you bring joy to their life, they're able to see his nature for the first time. The same is true for sadness. Some people are not able to see God. They don't think he cares. But when you live in a space of weeping with them, they're able to see the nature of God, that God does care and he's present. Do you understand this? And the same is true with anger and outrage. Some people, they will never want to hear about Jesus because they don't think he cares or that his people will ever do anything to solve the problems of this world. How can I support a God, they would say, who does nothing about the injustices of this world? But when they see his people representing God's anger and his outrage by taking action to bring transformation, then they see the nature of God. Do you understand? This is what I'm trying to say. When we follow God's word and we use our emotions to honestly connect with him and with others, we will see beautiful, beautiful results. We will find healing and we will find restoration in our relationships. People will see God through our emotions. Now, we're going to look at one last clip, but I want you to see how the beauty of all of these emotions, how they mix together to create a powerful memory and bonds between people and between God. Let's look together. You know what? I miss Minnesota too. I miss the woods and we took hikes. In the backyard where you used to play. Spring Lake, where you learned to skate. Come here. Friendship Island has expanded. Glad they finally opened that friendly argument section. I like tragic vampire romance island. Fashion Island? <gasps> Everyone shut up. Boy Band Island. That's just a phase. Say what you want. I think it's all beautiful. Would you stand with me and close your eyes? Father, you have created each of us with emotion so that we could connect with each other, so that we don't feel alone. 
but primarily so that we know that you are real and that you, we can have a relationship with you. God, would you reach inside of us now, all of us, everyone who's just in this room right now, I just want to take a brief moment to allow you to take a moment to just maybe allow God to speak to you through emotions. Maybe some of you right now are filled with, with a joy. There's something going on in your life or God is reminding you right now of something joyous. And he's saying to you, I gave you that. That joy, I placed it there for you so you would remember and you would know that I'm here. Perhaps some of you are in a space right now where you have a, an overwhelming sense of sadness. There's something deep within you that is just causing you to feel that way. And I would say to you now that allow the Spirit of God who lives inside of you to say to you, I put that there so that you would know I'm with you. And I'm bringing people to you. Would you allow them into your life? Don't push them away. I've brought you friends. I've brought you, I brought you brothers and sisters in Christ who are going to weep with you as you weep. And you will see me with you as you allow them to walk into your life and walk with you. Some of you, you can't help but think about the things that are frustrating you, the things that are happening in this world that are beyond our control, injustices that you even see in your own workplace or in your own home life or in your neighborhoods or, or abroad. And the Spirit of God would say to you today, I have placed that there because I live inside of you and it disgusts me too. And I'm calling you to be a part of the solution. And I believe that even now, God will place ideas in your mind of what it could be like, what steps could be taken, what he might be calling you to. Some of you, it might be as simple as just sharing something on Facebook about it or creating conversations. But for some of you, perhaps God is placing a deep, a deep dream in your heart.